was their graduation party. A night for friends. Well, here's to eight fabulous friends who got through high school and are gonna do great things! <laughs> you are gonna love making love. You'll never want to stop. A night for love. A night for idea. games. Let's play hide and go seek. But someone else is playing a game with their lives. to Definitely First Blood. My uh, name is Mitch. And I'm Christopher. And we are a horror movie podcast. We talk about horror movies from the 70s, 80s, 90s, early 2000s, and sometimes today. That's today. Yes. Welcome to episode 47, 48. I can't remember Those which are one. all good numbers, so they're fine by me. It is uh, going to be February 1st when this comes out, I think, which is exciting. Wow. Valentine's Day. You know, Day. January just really did not fly by fast at all. In fact, it crept along at one of the slowest paces out of anything. Yeah, man. It's been terrible, and the extreme cold doesn't help either. The polar vortex. Yeah, which yeah. is even worse for our listeners in like the Midwest. Yeah, because the extremes are so are, different. Yeah, Antarctica and stuff. Yeah. We've just been like minus 32. That's that's yeah. nothing. Yeah, it is, it's less than nothing. It's 32 less than nothing, but... It is. Yeah, it's awful to go outside. I know. I feel bad for you especially because you've definitely had to go out more than I have. Well, you know what? You got to do what you got to do. I got to do my part to help warm out the outside with my body heat. <laughs> so... I took it on the chin. Well, that's good. Most that's, of that's it. That's really, really good of you, bud. You're a good person. Because the rest of me was covered up, bundled up, other than my chin. Your giant parka. Yeah, my giant parka. It's truly huge. That it is. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah. What do we have to talk about? Uh, well, we did watch that movie yesterday, uh, and yes. I feel like we both wanted to definitely talk about it. The Kindred. The Kindred from 1987, I believe. How did we find this? So it ties in with um, our movie today, Hide and Go Shriek, mm -hmm. because uh, Bunky Jones, who is in Hide and Go Shriek, was also in The Kindred. 
So she played the one of the just one of the characters who mm-hmm. she dies in a car. Oh after yeah, yeah, yeah. Getting yeah. attacked by a watermelon. <laughs> yeah, basically, it's like a watermelon with a lot a of anger. It, yeah, a lot of anger inside of it. Yeah, one of those. Uh, it's truly an interesting movie. It's like elements of alien elements of godzilla the thing the thing definitely Uh, the thing what else um so many it's it was a very strange movie and it has so many big actors and stuff in it that it was i feel like they must have thought that they were making a different movie while they were oh definitely well like i saw in it like splice and like other current day movies and oh, ideas sure. like CRISPR, the gene editing technology, the whole movie is about that. Um, but imagine if instead of scientists in China using microblades to peer open cells and stuff, it's like a dirty old house and they're just <laughs> mixing stuff together and putting it under microscopes. And it made very little sense. Which a is lot of it. the beauty of it, truly. And, and- like I said, it has so many, like it has the one uh, entomologist from Silence of the Lambs in it. Yep, yep. It has, uh, oh gosh, I can't remember her name, but she's in uh, Girls Night Out and Revenge of the Nerds. It has uh, Rod Steiger from oh. the Amityville Horror in a terrible wig. Yeah, he plays the big bad. Yeah, and Kim Hunter from planet of the apes and a streetcar named desire there are so many inordinate coincidences in this movie as well it was not a good movie no it was a great movie talia balsam is in it and it's in vhs like ratio as well so it's oh yeah like the quality of it was bananas so bad i loved it I loved every minute of it. I would definitely recommend it. It's been a long time, a long time, since I think either of us has watched a movie and been like, wow, whoa, <laughs> whoa, what's this that's happening? <laughs> like, And the special effects were actually good as oh, well. They, yeah, that was yeah. one of the best things about it. The special effects were fantastic, and it was the same... Um, partially the same guy who did the Boogans. Yeah, it was... Cr- well, you could tell. <laughs> but yeah, it was gross... And um, genuinely, like, so bad that it's good in a way that... It reminded yeah. me a lot of, like, a uh, a 50s sci-fi movie. Definitely. It had a lot of the same, uh, like, plot progression. And just, like, the weird characters where it's like, I am a geneticist scientist, yeah. and you are my son, and we... Uh, you're getting all of these auxiliary characters to come to my house... To clean it out. We're all... I've got to write this dissertation by tomorrow. (laughs) I've been in a coma for three years. (laughs) Yeah. So, like, the whole basis of this is this geneticist woman, played by Kim Hunter, has been uh, playing around with gene editing on her own time at Mm -hmm. home and has created this being named Anthony. And... um, so she, it starts where she's been in a coma for three, for three years. years and she's awoken and it's her son gets like the notification and, oh, your mother's awake and talking. She tells him to go burn everything up at the house yep. where 
Anthony has been living, I guess, for three years while she's been in this coma. Eating what? Whatever he finds? I, melons. Yeah. Just oh, growing melons. wild. Growing wild. Oh, that's so true. That is so true. Um, and yeah, of course. Oh, I'm not going to burn anything. Let me. No, let me. All these strangers. Too many questions. Trapes through this filthy house that's been, what, sitting abandoned for three years? Uh, yeah. Every character who has the opportunity to defuse a situation and not Does be not. murdered, they take steps to actively heighten situations where they are unlikely to succeed in defending themselves. Yeah, like where Rod Steger is trying to intimidate um, Kim Hunter. Mm -hmm. And like, we know she's had this heart attack and obviously he's going to kill her. And she's the whole time she's like, I'll never, you're, I'll make you pay. All those things uh, that you want me to do, I refuse to do them. And all those things that I'm going to do that you don't want me to do, that's what I'm going to do instead. I mean, yes, I just woke up from a three-year coma yesterday, so my body is completely atrophied and all that stuff. But I'm going to do it. You mark my words. <laughs> it was truly, truly a strange, very strange movie. But wonderful and delightful all at the same time. Yes. We both uh, thoroughly enjoyed it, I think. Yeah, so if you can find it at your local blockbuster... <laughs> We would definitely give it a, a suggestion, a recommendation. Yeah, it's a good way to spend the day. That it is. <laughs> you know what else is a good way to spend the day, Biden? Well, the movie that we're talking about today, yes. which is Hide and Go Shriek from 1988. Uh, written by Michael Kelly and directed by Skip Skolnick, who he is the editor for Halloween 2. He worked on Angel. I think he worked on Buffy as well. And uh, he's like a producer on The Walking Dead. Oh, like interesting. He still works a lot. So like he's pretty pretty active in the entertainment industry still. And this is, I think, his only directing credit. So well, and he, right at the beginning of his career. He did too, a great so. job. Did he? As far as I'm concerned. I don't know how I feel about the direction of this movie. Oh. I like the art direction and the, the yeah. cinematography, stuff like mm -hmm. that. But... Um, I don't know. He didn't really... It wasn't anything groundbreaking in terms of his direction, I don't think. Oh, certainly not. But I do think the acting was good. Yeah. And speaking of the acting, it stars... Tell me about it. <laughs> stars Britton Fry, who's very foxy, from Slumber Party Massacre 3. Mm -hmm. uh, also stars Bunky Jones from The Kindred, as we mentioned before. Uh, Annette Sinclair, who was dating i don't know if she was married to bob seeger but they were definitely in a relationship for quite some time donna beltron uh sean cannon from sunset beach the young and the restless general Ooh. hospital bold and the beautiful uh karate kid part three the sleek and the sassy hand chosen bud for karate kid part three over thousands of uh, faces wow this was his debut that's amazing. <laughs> He's like Harry Potter when Daniel Radcliffe got that. Do you yeah. remember that? And everyone was like, who will be Harry Potter in the Warner Brothers original feature film adaptation of the series? Just like Harry Potter. Yeah. But Karate Kid 3. <laughs> <laughs> and this certainly isn't Hogwarts because as we get from the opening shots of this movie, it's a very dirty 1980s yeah. Los Angeles. Oh, it's LA. I just wrote down, we open on the dirty city. <laughs> 
There's sirens. Slowly zeroes in on this dilapidated apartment where there's garbage everywhere mm-hmm. and some dude in a suit shaving his face and putting on blush, eyeshadow, and lipstick by the light of a single light bulb. Fully like 80s blush and lipstick as well. So. Not subtle at all, basically. No. no, but the suit is. He puts on a big old fedora, heads out to Prostitute Alley, but even the hookers are all afraid of it. They all jump back in revulsion except for one who's basically annie lennox (laughs) and uh so he picks her up and fucks her against the wall before stabbing her in the gut in an alley you know the usual thing begin credits yikes which basically just look like the friday the 13th credits yeah nothing special or whatever this opening kill was like the worst episode of criminal minds it reminded me this whole thing I don't know what it is about it. Gave me such a Euro vibe. It really, truly did. Like, it looked French, if that makes sense. Yeah, like some of the terrible movies we've watched. Yeah, yeah. I don't know. It, it, it's a no, weird No, I agree with you. I agree. And the writing, some of the writing, at least to begin with. Then we begin with a weird introduction to Britton Fry, who Comes plays David. Out of nowhere. And his friend, John, who's Sean Cannon, Mm -hmm. and they're lifting weights very homoerotically while sweaty. Very sweaty. Uh, Tanned. Fondling a banana, sort of broing out, bromancing. Don't want to run out of energy. Let's go have a shower. I am ready. With romance in the air. (sighs) You know, if you keep that up, you're going to burn up all your energy. Ah, that's it for me. Time to motivate. Time to go take a shower. Come on. Come on. Like, And yikes. then two of our girls that we'll get to meet throughout this fantastic feature film, Melissa and Judy, arrive at Bonnie's house. Mm-hmm. And they're doing the whole lie about where they're staying the night thing to spend it at John's dad's furniture store. These are some of my favorite kind of cars. The really boxy 80s ones. Mm -hmm. Oh, that little white convertible. (laughs) It's like it came out of like a child's playset, you know? For sure. Like a Hot Wheels. Yeah. Or not like those ones that, I don't know if you had that when you were a kid. They were like a big van or a truck, and then you folded it down, and oh, there was a yeah. bunch of other ones. The trucks inside of trucks. Or like Barbie cars. Yeah. Man. Inside, we meet our other two characters. Mm-hmm. I would say the more like uh, traditionally presented as traditionally 80s beautiful ones. Yeah. We've got... The sexually active ones. Yeah, Kim blonde california bombshell who's probably 30 years old she has one of those ponytails on the top of her head i gotta say her outfit could totally be worn today i think sans belts like be and is like a mock net crop top Mm -hmm. with high-waisted denim shorts yeah a very instagram model Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. she looks great so she's getting ready with bonnie who's just finished up her shower and they're talking about how Bonnie and her boyfriend, John, are talking about getting married. And it's a very serious discussion about serious adult things. They're just graduating high school. They're just talking about it, though. (laughs) It's all very 80s with the decor. It's 
pink with weird patterns and wicker bamboo crap and like baby blue and it matches what they're wearing as well it's very bright and pastel which is a very good contrast to the rest of the movie that's very dark yeah that's true muted like reds and greens and stuff and strange very strange (laughs) um then we meet some more dudes we've got max headroom Mm -hmm. aka randy and uh sean who has a cool shirt on yeah they're en route talking about randy's haircut uh his haircut is totally not exceptional at all to me (laughs) and they talk about it for the entire movie because it's short and slightly military style i guess but they're like whoa like he looks like a stock trader or something he looks terrifying he He's always wearing sunglasses. He's got big ass suspenders and a bolo tie. And it's the way he smiles and laughs is extremely threatening. <laughs> He's got bad energy coming out of him. Kim, who is his girlfriend, is showing off the lingerie to the rest of the girls. Ooh. Like she shows it off. This like black nightgown thing. Like oh my a God. negligee. What Melissa says, maybe if I put this on, he'll finally be interested in me. It was like heartbreaking. <laughs> Because she's into Sean, yeah. who seems uninterested in her, but and it might scared. just be because he's, like, nervous. He's a very nervous person. And Kim has a really solid line where she says something like, it'll turn him totally on. Yeah. Uh, Is that what you need nowadays to get him turned on? I thought stuff like that was for really old, wasted guys. This will just turn him totally on. I wish I had thought of that. That that would make Sean really want me. What? People go completely crazy when they see you wearing it. You know, totally normal thing. <laughs> like maybe like in a cartoon, like the eyes turn into the hearts and they go bum bum bum, like oh, you know, like that. For sure. Yeah. Judy, uh, who is she's probably the frumpiest of them all, I would say. Yeah, man. She's wearing this enormous, like, uh, stripy shirt with. Mm-hmm shorts that go past the knee they're basically board shorts like cargo cargo shorts shorts. yeah she looks great and she's planning to lose her virginity to david Mm. that evening and the guys start gathering outside first it's john and randy or john and david and david's trying to get john to hire him as gm at his dad's furniture store yeah as though john has the power and he's like John keeps trying to downplay it. (laughs) Due to his marketing experience Mm -hmm. and the fact that he wants that dick, man. David is like the coolest looking person of all time. He's got a skateboard. He does have a skateboard. I think they use this skateboard because I was reading that uh, they didn't have a dolly, so they would use a skateboard for dolly shots. And this is the only time you see the skateboard, so I feel like they stuck it in. And that's probably the exact same one they used. A tribute to that skateboard. Well, I say God bless you, skateboard. Thank you for your sacrifice. And you're a good actor as well. The teens all gather around and they go to roll out. And I think it's David who says, mm-hmm. walk this way. And then they all get into formation like the Beatles on Abbey Road. Yeah. And, and like, and a very similar song to Walk This Way plays, but it's <laughs> yes. not the song. It's not. <laughs> That's so true. Well, listen up, compadres. Yes. Are we ready to embark 
on the adventure of our lives? Yeah! Oh, good! Oh, all right, everybody. Walk this way. They stop in an intersection and everyone gets out of the car and runs around like a mad scramble and then gets back in. Because that's just the sort of zany hijinks that you'd get up to in the late 80s <laughs> if you are graduating high school. They pull up to this furniture store around the back. It is terrifying. Well, so it's just they used an abandoned warehouse so they had to turn it into a furniture store for the movie oh. and i think that's extremely obvious that yes. it's just an abandoned warehouse it's terrifying because this thing looks looks like an abattoir yeah it looks terrifying but i guess it's also accentuated by the fact that this was like dirty los yeah, angeles that's 80s that's true that's true oh something i missed uh sean while they're before they get into the van, he's like, oh, I don't know about sex, man. This sex <laughs> stuff, I don't know if it's for me. And like, like maybe, dude, but like, why are you talking about it so much? It's very strange to me. He's a strange character. He was. Anyways, uh, they are at the fine furnishing loading dock, as you said, and yeah. they're taking two giant boxes out of the trunk. Specifically, John and Sean, mm -hmm. because the rest of the teens go around the front to like go inside so they can hide out until closing yeah fake shop and they drop these boxes off to a guy named fred with a snake tattoo mm -hmm. who john says his dad just hired um and he spooks sean out yeah like sean sean's very out scared of him. him so the two of them go through the back and the rest like i said go through the front and they i guess hide out until they close down for the evening. Which is at an indeterminate time when it's dark in the front of the store, but still light out behind Outside. the store. Yeah. John's dad leaves with his co-manager, co-worker, mm -hmm. and they drop a lot of exposition here <laughs> about John not taking over the business until after college. And mm -hmm. I guess that goes back to the whole him and Bonnie getting married thing. I guess. And the co-worker is also spooked by Fred, the snake tattoo guy, who we learned is an ex-convict. Yeah, that for armed robbery. John's dad lets him stay in the store because he just broke up with his girlfriend. And John's dad just believes the best in people and wants to give him a second chance, yeah, basically. He's fresh out of prison. And the other thing he says is he's like, no one's broken into the store since he's been here. But the co-manager's like, that's because you can't break the windows anymore. They're shatterproof. Exactly. Which will come back uh, later. And I think he also says like, oh, snake tattoo guys, the best. He's the most best at his job there is. He does say something yeah. like that, yeah. His dad seems to really like him. So Fred goes inside mm -hmm. after the dad leaves. He goes up to oh, the yeah. fridge and grabs a whole thing of spring onions. Like a whole thing. And he like angrily walks down into the dark, disgusting, scary-ass basement. Where he's staying and he watches TV and makes a stir-fry on his electric walk. Yeah, so he puts some oil in. Puts the green onions in and then puts just a whole skirt steak right mm. on top of it. 
he opens a trunk to get his liquor, and we mm-hmm. see that there's a bunch of uh, BDSM shit in there. Uh-oh. And then upstairs, Kim and David start making out, and the rest... Oh, uh, not Kim and David, Kim and Randy. Yes. I didn't know there... I got these two mixed up for the first half of this movie. Yeah, it's fine. I didn't know who anyone was <laughs> for most of the movie, so... Yeah, so they start making out, and the rest of the crew comes out of their hiding spots. Mm-hmm. Uh, at first, they can't find John and Bonnie, but then they jump out and scare them and spook them. There's a lot of that in the first half of there this is. movie, and I don't like A lot it. of pranking. A lot of scaring your friends. John and Sean go to collect the boxes that they dropped off mm-hmm. that are full of party supplies and beer. And Sean smells something cooking. <gasps> What could it be? Well, it's the stir fry that Fred is uh, currently course. stirring with a knife, which is an awesome way to wreck your electric Walkman. Right? Come on, dude. Get it together, Fred. Like Son you, of a bitch. You're not made of electric walks. <laughs> the kids get to partying, mm-hmm. drinking their what I imagine is very warm beer at yeah, this point. Yeah, because it's just been sitting in two cardboard boxes. <laughs> and they toss all of the plastic off all of the furniture and John is very scared. He's like, you don't spill anything. Yeah. We're not going to move anything. This was a bad idea. He gives them the whole rundown <laughs> yeah. of his rules and expectations, essentially, for the evening. Like, they can't turn the lights on or people will see them. Mm-hmm. And there's mannequins all over the place that his dad has got. So the place looks lived in. Everywhere, though. And they so are they're old. not to touch these wretched mannequins like why would they uh they all look very scary they don't look like real people and they're wearing like 60s and 70s clothing the fucking place is humongous it's a maze Mm -hmm. um then they again like you said another spook scare where Mm -hmm. they can't find david and then they're like ah he jumps out from behind something Earlier, like before uh, John takes them on the mannequin and stairs tour, mm-hmm. uh, David says, Wait, here's eight, eight fabulous friends, friends who survived high, high school, school and are going to go on to do great things. things. What a toast. Wow. Wow. If only you knew, David. If, if only. only you knew. Kim suggests that they play hide and seek, which mm-hmm. is where we get our title. Yeah. And all the couples split up for hiding, uh, and except for Kim, who is it. Judy and David hide behind a sofa. And they're smooching. Melissa and Sean go behind a mannequin after they get scared by David. Yeah. And Bonnie and John, uh, they walk past what is obviously a real human. Yes. Right? Yes. Yeah. Definitely. Which is our killer guy. And on there, like it's... They're going to a bed. Oh, yeah. Like, they all sort of are. The Mm -hmm. hide-and-seek was a pretext for shenanigans, obviously. (laughs) Bonnie and John both strip down to dramatic Mm -hmm. piano music. And John has stashed a full thing of champagne and champagne glasses in the bedside table. Super shitty champagne as well, because it has a plastic cork, like Bambino. Yeah, the worst. Yeah. And he almost spills it all over the bed that he shouldn't be spilling it over. <laughs> he would be mad at himself. 
somebody's watching them and they pick mm-hmm. up this plastic cork and then we can like see their silhouette of the fedora guy yeah watching, watching. them what a disgusting place to have sex because <laughs> it's got to be like a hotel a hotel bed that just never how often do you think they wash that bedding in a store probably never i would people imagine. getting into those beds with their shoes on <laughs> it's a nightmare if you ask me i know everyone did anyways kim can't really seem to find anybody yeah and then she finds bonnie and john in bed and she's a cock block melissa and sean are super over the whole thing and don't seem to be vibing out until she takes the reins and kisses him and then suddenly he's totally down oh my gosh he just needed to be unlocked or something (laughs) i don't like the message that sends Fred continues to drink heavily while watching TV and mm-hmm. doing his forearm exercises. Yeah, he's crushing, <laughs> crushing it with the little snake on his hand. Very cute. The teens all join back together. Mm-hmm. And Kim, being a total idiot, suggests that next time they all split up. Yeah, totally good idea in this she, giant, she's got the absolute worst idea. Scary ass place. So stupid. Uh, and then they doesn't like ralph jump out and scare everyone again who's ralph randy randy yes uh i think so i don't know they they pretty much immediately start playing hide and go seek again yeah this is just like a little interlude it's john and bonnie who are it this time and the person who's been watching them locks all the doors and chains them man really suspicious if you go to a store and you're like i i need Five different kinds of chains, please, and all of these locks. <laughs> Don't ask any questions. Well, I assume that they were just already there. Probably in the chain section. Or they're his sex chains or something. True, true, true. Oh, who doesn't have a wide variety of sex chains? Well, this guy seems to have a <laughs> wide variety of BDSM I know, he stuff, does. so I don't know. <laughs> uh, so uh, Sean and Melissa are like weirdly like, let's go find a dark place or whatever. Yeah, they start getting hot and heavy, and Melissa says yeah. she's got a surprise for him. Uh, and she goes to a bathroom to put the lin- lingerie on. Yeah, she has Kim's lingerie, mm-hmm. and so she's going to put that on for him, I guess? Yeah. Did they establish that she was going to wear that instead of Kim? Yes. Was Kim giving it to her? Yeah. Oh, like, okay. Oh, here it is. And then she, you know, as you do, I don't know about you, when I'm getting ready in the morning and I'm putting my clothes on, I have to leave the water running to fill a sink. <laughs> Just like she does. Because while that's happening, not only is Sean uh, stripping down to his little underwear yeah. and just sitting on on the bed all alone. He uh, looks so young, he too. He does. It's disturbing a little bit. Uh, but the killer is peeping on melissa he's opening the door and creeping up behind her well he like opens the door shuts the light out Mm -hmm. and then comes up behind her and dips her in the sink like starts drowning like violently drowning slamming her head into the sink over and over again and we get like a point of view shot from underneath the sink as though it were see-through as it fills with blood yeah yikes (laughs) david and judy are also getting hot and heavy and having some sweet pillow talk about how they've been waiting and how she's happy that he came with her Mm because she knows this isn't really his thing yada yada yep and he's like 
it's don't worry about it. I like spending time with you. He's a very respectful and a nice guy <laughs> when it comes to this relationship anyways. Basically, they're all finding beds. Mm-hmm. Like Kim and Randy f- have found a bed and Randy's suddenly super into these mannequins. But then they hear the elevator kick up and run to go hide. Uh, meanwhile, Sean gets impatient and puts his pants back on to go look for Melissa and he sees somebody run by in the lingerie and go like teehee so he thinks it's her momentarily until he follows and then we see it's uh, some hairy man nips in the lingerie super strong dude who grabs him by the neck lifts him over his head and then throws him on top of a piece of modern art a virgin suicide style. And then he grabs at it in a weirdly sexual way. Yeah. That was obviously intentional, but I'm not really sure what the intention was. Was it that he was being penetrated? I don't know. Maybe he was like, I'm going to try to get this off of me. I don't know. Well, yeah, obviously that's what he was doing, mm-hmm. but I feel like the shot was intentionally that's sexual. True. Yeah. Of yeah. him like, sliding his hands up and down the thing that was sticking through him. But anyway, uh, John and Bonnie have some pillow talk where she tells him that he came too fast. I think she says 10 seconds. Yeah, he. so not only did he come too fast, but he barely starts. There's like no foreplay as well. You were done in about 10 seconds. Sorry, I guess I was just nervous. Everyone's running around everywhere. Oh, is that the reason? Wham, bam. Thank you, ma'am. Oh, come on. I hang on really long sometimes. Sure. Sometimes you do. Thought you'd like the way I make love. I do. It's just that you could take a little longer getting started, that's all. Sometimes I'm not ready so fast. Well, tell me. I'm not a mind reader, you know? Next time. So she's she's nonplussed. He's trying to be all macho about it. Mm-hmm. Uh, so she tells him that sometimes he needs to take longer so she can also come. So he accepts the challenge. But again, Kim cock blocks. Yeah, and it's very embarrassing. He, She and Randy come up and just start razzing John about his performance or lack thereof. Uh, and to uh, get them for dinner. Yeah. So they come to get them for dinner. What are they eating for dinner? Uh, he had chicken at some point. Like John was eating chicken after the first time so they had sex. Bizarre. So I'm assuming they're eating chicken or something. I'm not really so sure. So weird. Why is it weird? Uh, because the chicken would have had to have been in the box, right? Just sitting there with the beer. True. Yeah. Anyways. Uh, they're all downstairs eating around a dining room set, and uh, John's like, oh, they don't want to eat? Forget them, in reference to Sean and Melissa. It's very reminiscent of the initiation scene where they do yeah. the same thing in the abandoned mall. Well, Definitely. not abandoned, but in the empty mall. Uh, and we get some more exposition. Oh, they're probably on the third floor where you can't hear anyone because the whole building's made of cement. Which is weird because later they yell to each other and it doesn't make a difference. But anyways, um, and because they're not answering and they didn't show up for dinner, John uh, is starting to get a little bit worried at this point. 
and Judy co-signs it because she doesn't think that Melissa would keep it up this long if she were pulling a prank or anything. Yeah, and it's not like them. So they all go to look to find them, um, but John devises a plan first. So they do that like movie huddle round thing. Mm-hmm. And again, they do they split up by couple lines again? I think so. Bonnie and John uh, walk by some mannequins and one of the heads turns so we know it's a person. Oh, no. And like someone's been messing with the mannequins and John is upset. And then David and Judy see what looks like Sean running around. Because it's got his clothes on. So the six of them team back up Mm -hmm. and they only find another mannequin. And like all the clothes are missing from the mannequins. Yes. Uh But... The mannequin that they find, because they find it in a bed, is Mm -hmm. wearing the lingerie. But Kim doesn't say anything about it. And I really think she probably would have noticed, like, oh, that's my lingerie. Yeah, yeah. And there's, like, a little girl mannequin that the camera briefly focuses on that's wearing, like, the slip thing. That's what I'm talking about. Sorry. Uh, It's really weird. Uh, Well, all that happening, they don't care. It's time for bed. So let's all go to bed. Uh, with our friends yeah they go back downstairs and they see that someone has eaten the rest of the food oh so they must be fine then nothing Mm -hmm. to worry about and then they decide to go their separate ways and go to bed so david and judy head to their designated sex zone Mm -hmm. in the corner on the third floor kim and randy strip down in their selected bed and bonnie and john start fucking for the third time yeah, probably, which, I mean, all of 30 seconds is not that much, I guess. <laughs> the killer wearing Sean's clothes stands at the end of their bed and then mm-hmm. moons them. And flips John off. So John runs after the killer, and he does this thing where he's quite obviously puffing his chest out as he runs. Yeah. And it's pretty funny. Because it it's not like he's a muscular dude. He's got a pretty average guy body. And he's doing this thing where he's, like, fake hunting him, like, hiding behind ferns and stuff. <laughs> And, like, staring out. Well, he chases him around the whole store. Yeah, and the killer's just, like, uh, an NPC in a video game where he's like, oh, well, enough time's gone past. Guess I better put, reapply my makeup. And so he's just standing in front of a mirror in this sea of discarded clothing. Which John sees, because he sees him, like, adjusting a wig. Mm -hmm. And then he confronts him and rips the wig off, and they start tussling. Yeah, as you do. The killer gets the better of him and starts, like, punching him in the face. And then he runs off and then starts running at him and impales him with a mannequin arm, which I thought was pretty original. I've not seen that in a slasher movie before. It was scary, him running full speed at you in the dark. For sure. He does that a couple times in this movie. He likes to run. Be a good way to catch someone by surprise, I guess. In her bed, Bonnie is pretty spooked by this point, mm-hmm. and she gets underneath the bed where she sees someone come in with a snake tattoo on their foot, and they pace around the bed, but they don't notice her, so she's able to just like sink back into darkness. Yeah, while she cries. Now, meanwhile, uh, Judy pulls two or a pair of high heels from her bag, slips them on, and does. A very sexy dance. This is my favorite scene in the movie, I think. She, like, 
does a whole transformation from geek to sex pot. Yeah. Where she opens this bag that she's been saving for this evening and she puts on a pair of white pumps. Oh my God. And like shakes her hair down and starts doing all of these sexy dance moves. Takes off her giant clothing. Because she saw it in a porno. And she's got like perfect peak 80s underwear on where it like goes all the way up the hip super high-waisted and the whole thing is lined with like a lace that comes off of it she basically looks like she's in a white sink video and she has one of the best bodies i have ever seen it's outrageous she has abs but like Mm -hmm. athletic abs and i feel like that was a rarity in the 80s because it was mostly like hyper thin but I, she looks great, basically, mm-hmm. is what I'm saying. And David appreciates it respectfully. <laughs> uh, and he says that this is his wildest dream or something like that. <laughs> well, good on you for waiting, then. That's a message here. It's like a Judd Apatow movie. Kim wakes up and gets dressed and goes to the bathroom. And then the killer comes in in a red dress and looms over Randy before spotting Randy's clothes and stealing them. And when Kim comes back, uh, she comes out of the bathroom and like immediately knows it isn't Randy. And like, she's the first person this whole movie to (laughs) quickly identify that. And he starts doing this impression of him, like laughing and yelling and stuff. She's screaming, yeah. and she smashes a vase over his head. Mm-hmm. Very expensive vase. And Randy wakes up and starts running to find her, and she runs away to the elevator, mm-hmm. but the elevator itself is too slow, so the killer jumps in with her as it's going up. Yeah, terrifying. And all you can hear is her screaming in the dark. Uh, meanwhile, uh, Randy's got to like find pants. That he steals off a mannequin because it would be the worst thing in the world to run after her pantsless. Like fully naked. Yeah. Oh, that's true. And he also has a bolo tie on. Bolo, yeah. So not fully naked. You're right. You're right. <laughs> and he runs into Bonnie who tells him that John is missing and that she saw someone. Yeah. And Randy is finally acting like a human being because he's actually like scared. Yeah. He's concerned about Kim. They seem to really like each other. And he's not wearing sunglasses anymore. True. Yeah. <laughs> they run upstairs and tell Judy and David mm-hmm. and Bonnie starts freaking out because she knows John wouldn't do this. Yeah. Especially with all the damage done to the store. And in what's a pretty unusual slasher turn, they all believe her. And stick together to go down to the office. Which I really, it seemed very realistic the way that they were reacting to this because they were all very scared. I will definitely say that it's like a theme in this movie that they know their friends wouldn't behave like this for the most part. Refreshing. So anyway, they go down the elevator and as it's going down, we see that Kim is naked and tied up and gagged on the roof of the elevator. And she's like crying in the dark. Terrifying. Because it's a pretty effective thing, right? She'd be up there for hours. Her friends would be right underneath her and there's nothing she could do about it. And she would be cold and scared. And it's... Oh, I, I didn't like it. I liked the elevator scenes in this movie a lot better than I liked the ones in... The initiation, like when Marsha and Kelly are stuck in the elevator. It's a much scarier elevator, too, here. What other horror movies have elevator scenes like this in it? There's 
one in New Year's Evil, like she's chained to the bottom of the mm-hmm. elevator. Um, Freight elevator scenes. I don't know. I feel like there are other ones. For some reason, I'm just drawing a huge blank right There's now. There's one. It's like the opener in Stranger Things. Uh, yeah. I don't know. I think there's definitely a few, but I that's all I can think of right now. So anyway, the group of teens finds a bunch of mannequins in a bed all tangled up and rearranged yeah. spookily. Big orgy. And I think some of them were like stabbed. So they know for sure that it isn't John because he wouldn't have done it. And he's been super obsessive over them having to be super careful about the mm-hmm. mannequins the whole time. Because they're his dad's babies or something. And they hear the elevator as they are going to head back upstairs. So they, yeah, I don't know. They start running for the elevator because they're like, well, if we're all here, obviously, then whoever it is is there. And while this is happening, uh, Randy, like, smashes a mannequin that scares him or something like that. He's like, ah, like Hulk smashed this mannequin. (laughs) And... uh, when they get there, the elevator is completely empty. So David gets a good idea to, we'll hop on, start it, and then we'll all hop off and see, like, who comes around when they think we're on the third floor. Yeah, because they can kind of, like, get the jump on him mm-hmm. if they're waiting for them to get out of the elevator or whatever. And when they go up the stairs, they see somebody in Kim's clothes dancing around. And giggling. And Judy immediately knows it isn't Kim. She says, like, Kim's clothes, but that's not Kim. Hey! Who the hell are you? They say, you know, totally normal thing. We're going to call the police on you. Yeah, David is really the last holdout in thinking that it's John and Kim pulling some sort of prank. Yeah, which would make, like they said, no sense. So he's warning him, like, John, this is the last straw. (laughs) So they go back down to the offices, right, or something? Back down the elevator with Kim still on the top, hearing them the whole time. The killer sings a cute song while Mm -hmm. doing their makeup again. Fun and games, games and fun. Now it's over. No need to run. Now, it's time to clean up the house. Make it right again. (sighs) A housewife's work is never done. It's time to clean house. (laughs) A housemate, what is it? Housewife's work is never done. That's exactly it. And the kids find that the phones are dead and the doors are chained shut and locked so they run into the bulletproof soundproof glass that they mentioned earlier and randy tries breaking it with a table to no avail and then they see a homeless guy across the street yeah who waves at them as they pound on the windows soundlessly and a cop car even pulls up just to hassle the homeless guy but the cops decide it's not worth it so they just (laughs) drive away Wow, social commentary Which there. Which kind of breaks the kid's spirit. Definitely. And we get to see it on their face. I like that they did that without them. You know, it wasn't uh, right in their face. Really like the way that they focus on the kids' faces without what they're saying. Like, you can't hear them yelling or anything. Mm-hmm. I like that, yeah. too. 
I think it was pretty effective. They decide, well, someone brings up, why don't we just stay sitting right here against the window until morning? That was Bonnie. Bonnie yeah. wants to stay there and wait, but Randy's like, we don't know when someone's going to come. It could mm -hmm. be hours. I think we ought to stay right here. Somebody's got to see us. There may be no one else for hours. I mean, this place is dead at night. we got to do something. I think we better be ready to fight. Fight? Who? Whoever the hell it is. Let's go back down by the office. We need to find a place where we can make a stand, right? And so we should, like, get weapons. We should prepare to make a stand. Judy suggests that they have to, like, fight back. Yeah. So they all run to go find weapons. And uh, guess who was watching them the whole time and does a creepy slow walk to follow <laughs> them? They go back to the offices and... The killer cuts the lights, plunging them into vibrant red emergency yeah. light darkness. Right at the moment they were going to try to turn the lights back on to alert passersby. <laughs> they go down to the basement mm -hmm. where they find the cut wire and not much else initially. And then Bonnie opens a door and Melissa and Sean's bodies fall out on top of her. On top of her. And this, I really like this scene. Me too, I really like that. Pandemonium. to do they trip over the corpses and they fall onto them again judy falls face first onto melissa and then she takes off running upstairs mm -hmm. and they all follow her and they grab various mannequin parts yeah like they rip the arms off them it's really nice but then when bonnie grabs the mannequin arm and pulls it it's the one that was stuck in john Ooh, and nice. then his body falls and she is completely verklempt. Yeah. Yeah, as you would think. They all go completely quiet when they... It's like the total opposite of when they found Sean and Melissa's bodies. Mm -hmm. Like, this time they're all silent, and they just, like, start backing up. They're all in shock. And while that happens... Fred pops up. Hey, you kids! Uh, and they immediately just start wailing on him. Well, Judy smacks him in the face with her mannequin mm -hmm. arm, and then they make a run for it back to the window, and they decide to take a stand. So when Fred comes back, oh, yeah. they all bum rush him and knock him to the ground and start kicking the shit out of him and beating him with mannequin limbs. And then they hog tie him up very tightly. And uh, Randy even comes back to kick him a few more times yeah. and call him a slime ball. Yeah. Slime bag? Both, I like One of them. those two. It's a bag filled with slime balls. <laughs> slime bag. Slime bag! So they pretty much think their nightmare's over mm -hmm. at this point. And, and David's mourning over John. Starts crying over his body. It is sad. And they realize that Kim could still be alive because they haven't found her body. Mm -hmm. So they go get in the elevator and start going to check all the floors to see if they can find her. 
but we see that the killer is on top of the elevator with Kim, who is wriggling herself free and being slapped about the face quite violently yeah. by the killer. She, as she sort of wriggled her foot free, she starts stamping loudly on the roof. And they're all like, uh-oh. What's up there? Yeah, because we're in here. <laughs> and again, there is some really good cinematography here because it's all totally red. Yes. And it's just a lot of close face shots as they like look up and realize what's on the elevator. And like bad shit is still happening. And they each have their own way of like dealing with it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Shock, anger. Bonnie is like dissociating she gets the tape off of her mouth mm-hmm. and hangs over the side oh. of the elevator and starts screaming for help, help. as the elevator is still going up so you pretty much know what's going to happen, and it does. The killer holds her there so she can't save herself, and her head pops off in front of them. And when they all try to, like, get out of the elevator, uh, David and Bonnie slip on in, the in the gore and on her head and, like, trip and fall out, and with the head comes out with them. Yikes. That would be, oh my gosh, I can't imagine how bad that would be and how much that would fuck you up. Bonnie and Randy are pretty fucked up about the whole thing. (laughs) Yeah. And David and Judy grab mannequin arms to fight back again. Um, Judy's taking command. She is. She's like, let's go to our corner. And when they get there, Bonnie's just like, I don't understand. (laughs) She collapses on the bed. perfect. I feel you 100%. I don't. And then from behind the bed, the killer slowly rises in full BDSM gear. And he's got a razor. Straight razor. A straight razor. He goes to stab Bonnie, but they get out of the way and try and fight back. But then Randy gets the straight razor across the chest. Yeah. And they manage to beat him off, and he sort of runs away. But and then... <laughs> he runs back, as he does. Full speed. And while this is happening, him. Fred has somehow gotten out of his hog tie, and he's on the scene now. Just in time, he tackles the other guy to the floor, and they start tussling. And they know each other. What? They were dating. In jail. What are you doing? We have to clean our home. Make it nice again. I told you it was over and now you've killed people. They were coming between us. (laughs) Quick, let's just take care of them. Other. It's not different to me. Well, it should be. 
But it doesn't matter anymore. You're going back inside forever anyway. I'm never going back there. I'm never going back there. Fred broke it off because it was only while they were on the inside. Yeah, and different than... This guy, our killer, Zach, went nutso-butso. started killing people, and now he's going back to jail. So they continue fighting because he doesn't want to go back to prison, and the teens go to leave, and the lights come back on, mm-hmm. and Fred gets stabbed in the neck. And he sort of stumbles up, and we get the reveal of the knife sticking out of his neck as he collapses. So Zach is back on the attack. Oh no, what an alliteration. Randy starts hitting him with the mannequin arm, and uh, then he falls down an elevator shaft. Yeah, uh, he, well, like, Judy grabs the straight razor from the floor and goes <laughs> to slice him, and then he jumps back, slips on Kim's head slash blood, and falls. Nice. Yeah, so it's, Kim gets her revenge from beyond the grave, sort of, <laughs> by being so slippery. The cops come in, the nightmare's over, mm-hmm. they all start crying. At some point, John's dad has shown up. Yeah, and he uh, immediately goes to Frank and Fred. Fred and is like, tell me what happened. My friend in prison. I was only had in there for six years. I used to beat him. I took care of him. After we got out, we saw each other, and when I tried to break it off, I kept coming around. He couldn't help himself, really. I tried to stop him. I tried to be straight. I'm sorry, Mr. Robbins. And Fred explains that he took care of Zach in prison and they were lovers, basically. They started seeing each other when they got out. Mm-hmm. Um, but when he broke it off, Zach stalked him and he tried, like, Fred tried to be straight and he's sorry. And then he dies. And he dies. Dun, dun, dun. Then there's this parade of first responders helping them get to the ambulances. The They start wheeling the bodies out mm-hmm. and we see that Zach's tattooed foot drops out. The teens all get loaded into an ambulance. One ambulance for four teens. Yeah, I also wrote it. Two paramedics and potentially the owner of the furniture store. Yeah, plus the police. So the driver gets in and they drive off. Mm -hmm. But we see that the killer has killed one of the cops. Oh no, because the body's wearing shoes now. And he's driving one of the other ambulances. So Mas- thank God they all got in the same one. Yeah, mascara going down his face. <laughs> and he looks remarkably good for having fallen down in he elevator does. shaft. But what can I say? And he stares into the camera as, ah. as we close out. Mm. And that's the end. No, we I I really like this movie. Me too. I really like the way that the characters react and have terrible emotional breakdowns, even if I think their choices are really stupid. I was happy with who lives at the end. Me too. Because I felt like they were opposites of traditional uh, roles that live in slasher movies. I agree. 
I mean, I guess Bonnie pretty much had to live because where were they going to find a mannequin with a perm that awesome? <laughs> she's the best hair. It is enormous. It is truly enormous. And she's got a banana clip rocking mm-hmm. it in there. I don't know. We have a couple thoughts about this movie, I know for sure. We were talking about it before we started recording. Yeah, man. Because we, like, we've read reviews. I've read reviews about this movie. Um, this is not the first time either of us has ever no. has ever seen this. And it's billed as being homophobic. And so we were sort of talking about that because it didn't, come off to me anyway as being innately homophobic. He didn't kill because he was gay. Exactly. It does definitely tap into that as like villainizing a gay man. Definitely. Um, Specifically like villainizes transsexuals and uh, Mm cross-dressers, which was a a thing in horror movies around that time, like when they would have um, like dress to kill, stuff like that where it's, killers who wear Mm -hmm. women's clothes and it's sort of preying on that like fear of gay people at the time because that was like an expectation however i really think the way that it's handled in terms of like fred Mm -hmm. where it's not like oh this guy's killing because he's gay it's that this guy's fucking crazy because fred isn't hurting anyone no, he's no. trying to get his life back on track after jail mm-hmm. and like this guy's his stalker like he's stalking him exactly harassing him killing people like ruining the, his life he didn't know the kids were going to be there that night definitely not so he was going there to try and do something to fred right mm-hmm. and in his mind he was like because Fred says he tried to be straight. Mm-hmm. So he's wearing these like disguises and women's clothing and makeup and stuff to try and appeal to what he thinks Fred wants. It's not necessarily, I think, like his thing. And yeah. it's using, like through his disguises we were talking about, he's using gender as like a mask. Definitely. Where it's sort of like a salient thing. Where he's trying on these different uh, identities to manipulate other people. Yeah. Like he uses these as disguises to move amongst them without being noticed in the same way that like Michael Myers wears a mask on Halloween. Mm-hmm. Like it's, it's interesting. It is. But it did not come off to me as super homophobic or anything. I don't know. It's, yeah, it's a weird, cause I can, I can definitely understand the argument. Um, Kids make some pretty, like, faces while they're having their thing, but there's nothing, like, explicit, like, oh, and you're a bad person because of these reasons. Mm -hmm. And ultimately, Fred saves the day. Yeah. And his life. I I don't know. Like, it didn't feel like at the end he was, like, he, it didn't feel like he was saying sorry for being gay he's saying sorry that all of this happened because of him Mm -hmm. because he wanted he wanted to get his life back on track and this guy was just fucking nuts yeah so i don't know it's it's a weird weird thing to think about i guess i don't know what 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 do you think i feel like i've been dominating the talking here. no i agree um it's hard 
especially because you have to think about what was the intent behind it, I think is important. Uh, obviously, it can be unintentionally uh, whatever. Yeah. But the intent's important. The context that it exists in when it was first made is really important. And like the context that we're seeing it in now. I wish that this screenwriter would have done more stuff so I could find out if he was also gay. You know? Oh, he didn't do anything else? No, he had like a movie in 1973 and then this and that's it. Interesting. So it's almost impossible, I would imagine, to find information about him, especially because his name is Michael Kelly and there's probably genuinely 4 billion Michael Kellys in the world. Yeah, give or take a couple. So I don't know. It's... It's weird. I wish that there were a way for us to find out more about the intent behind it. But it it didn't feel like you were being presented as like the the killer is scary because it's he's gay. Yeah, yeah. And there were interesting things, the relationship between Judy and David, like the power dynamics there, the power dynamics in well, the power dynamics in every one of their relationships was not the traditional mm-hmm. Yeah, they uh, there were conversations that happened throughout like the things that make me be like oh maybe there was some sort of like hint hint nudge nudge stuff Mm -hmm. there like the david and john relationship like the whole opening scene was oddly homoerotic with them working out and the bananas and just the whole thing and completely did not advance the plot at all yeah the thing with uh sean and the thing he got impaled Mm -hmm. on i feel like was definitely intentional Again, I don't really understand the intention of it, but it was definitely a choice that they made. Um, the fact that Bonnie was like, yo, I want to come. Yeah, and you best <laughs> recognize that. Mm-hmm. Or that Sean was scared of sex, whereas mm-hmm. Melissa was the one who was like, oh, I want to have sex. Sexually you, empowered. You know? Yeah. It, it was interesting, and... By the end, they, every one of them who lived was like there were no virgins. Yeah. It, it, it's interesting. And they were all naked at one point, except for Britain Fry, I think, right? Yeah. Yeah. So you saw them all naked. Mm, interesting. Yeah. I, I don't know. I like this movie. Me too. The I fashions alone. I think it's a really good slasher movie. It's it a is. million times better than The Initiation that we watched last week. Uh, yes, I agree um, with you there. I think I like it more than Sorority House Masks. Well, I think the fashions in both movies are quite oh, fantastic. Very true. Very true. Um, and they're very different. They're definitely a lot more different than The Initiation and Sorority House Massacre, mm-hmm. where I think you can compare the two of those more closely draw pretty good parallels so i don't know it's i like it i like this movie i think it's definitely worth a watch it is on shutter oh is it in america like the u.s shutter not for us here in canada unfortunately um but yeah so if you can watch it definitely watch it if you haven't it's it's worth a watch at least once at least once so yeah so the six degrees of Jamie Lee for this is um, so we have Bunky Jones, mm-hmm. and she was in The Kindred, our favorite, with Amanda Pays, who was in Off Limits, with Raymond O'Connor, 
who was in Drowning Mona with Jamie Lee Curtis. Wow. Yes. It's the most number of steps for a while. It, it has been a while since we had like a really big one like that. I appreciate it. <laughs> so normally I would talk about the production mm-hmm. of the movie if I was able to find anything. Well, I'm sure there's so much. There's not very much out there. Um, there was an interview with Skip Skolnick that I believe is on the DVD, um, but we don't have the DVD, so couldn't watch it. Yeah. And the only other interview I could find is from a website from 2010 that no longer exists, and like I couldn't look at a cachet oh, no. version or anything. So it is what it is, whatever. Um, but this was actually one of the movies that we watched before starting the podcast, where we were like, oh, we should start the podcast definitely and part of what spurned that on was we had watched it and i was sort of like uh interested in bunky jones who plays bonnie because Mm -hmm. she's so her hair is enormous it is enormous and it is in the kindred too she's got this crazy huge perm so i was interested in sort of like finding out what happened to her but you couldn't really find any information on her and so Mitch suggested at the time, like, oh, that could be like something you do in the podcast. And so this was one of the ones that I had on my mind to do right from the beginning. Mm-hmm. But like I said, I couldn't find very much information on it getting made. So I was like, oh, we'll just do it some other time. So after we talked about the fact that we wanted to do this, after watching the initiation last week, I was again reminded of Bunky Jones. Yep. And I wanted to see if I could find out anything about her because this was her last credit in 1988. She did a couple horror movies. Um, the Kindred, Frankenstein Hospital. Oh, excuse um, me? She was in a couple episodes of uh, Dynasty, just in like bit parts. Mm-hmm. So I wanted to find out what happened because a lot of the times if you're in movies like this, you do like the convention circuits. So you sort of get an idea, but there yeah. was like nothing on the internet about her other than um, an address on one of those like, oh, people find websites Interesting. from Los Angeles. So I used that sort of as a jumping off point because I was intrigued to sort of find out what had happened to her. Mm-hmm. And... So it was a a hotel in Los Angeles, unfortunately not a very nice hotel, which gave me sort of a clue about what uh, might be coming. Mm -hmm. But yeah, so could not find any information beyond that. There's like no social media, anything. So, and this is not done in like a stalkery way. I had no like... Just curiosity. Curiosity. And then I was like... Maybe like, oh, could send her like a Facebook message and ask some like questions about the movie. Because I feel like it's it's interesting to me that sort of thing where you do a couple movies or TV shows and then you totally just disappear and start yeah. acting. But there's always this like fossil of you that can be viewed at all times. Committed it's sort of like, yeah. yeah. So from there, I decided to check the LA County like deeds, mm-hmm. like public records. And so her name is Rebunka Jones. I got a couple hits back from like deeds from 2010 when she inherited 
a house. And then there was a deed from 2013 when she like did something else with the house. I think mm-hmm. they, they sold it again, one of them anyway, because it was two properties. And it was for sure her because one of her aliases for credits was Bunky Z. Mm-hmm. So, and it was signed Bunky Z. She had an awesome signature. Very it, it Obviously something that like you had practiced because you thought you were going to be like um, a star or mm-hmm. people would want your um, signature or whatever. Had a little flourish. And from there, there was another one in 2016 from the same properties where it was passed to her sister because she had died. So oh, that's sad. I know. So it had her death certificate. And that was really honestly not what I was hoping to find when I set out to learn more about her. And there's no information about this at all. I had to do like pretty mm-hmm. deep digging to find this at all. And yeah, so she died in 2015 accidentally um, due to a combination of things, according to the medical examiner report. Um, Yeah, I'm not going to talk too much on that because Mm -hmm. I don't really know the exact circumstances other than what is presented on the medical examiner report. But so this week has really been... I've decided I want to like get that information out there just so it seems like, like there's, she doesn't have an obituary. She doesn't have Mm. anything like that. Yeah. She had no family other than a half sister. Um, There's no information about it on IMDb, anything. So this week I signed up to IMDb. I like submitted her death certificate and everything. Mm-hmm. So hopefully they uh, process that soon. So her birth date, uh, legal name, and uh, death date will go up on there. And then I'm going to take some screenshots from this movie because all of the screenshots are either like her topless and also like oh, very shitty, um, bad quality. like yeah, VHS quality screenshots. So I just want to like. I don't know. It's I I feel like it would be nice if someone cared. I think you know? that's important and, and so a good thing to I do. I really wanna try and get that out there. Just like some more pictures of her. Mm-hmm. So it's not like a total dead zone, you know? Yeah. We get to see who she was. Not just Yeah, or there's just like a played. Well, I don't know anything about her personally. It's just, you know, to have better stuff of her out there so if there are other people like me because i know this movie does have a following Mm -hmm. uh, or like people who watch the kindred i I don't know it's just if it was me and if i i feel like it was obvious that it was something that she wanted to do like even on the death certificate even though she hadn't acted since 1988 her profession was listed as actress yeah so i feel like you want to be remembered for that and to be remembered as an actress and maybe not how you died or how you lived due to things that mm-hmm. came about because of that i i don't know no it makes sense so yeah yeah i think it's a great and idea. that's that's just something i i've decided i wanted to do this weekend i know this is obviously probably not the most upbeat 
thing to talk about on the podcast, but yeah, it's something that I, it was interesting to me. It's interesting to me too. So yeah, on that note, I guess we can uh, wrap the episode up. Thank you for listening. Thank you very much for listening. We really appreciate it. And if you would like to follow us on social media, you can follow us on Instagram at Definitely First Blood. You can email us definitelyfirstblood at gmail.com or follow us on Twitter, which uh, is kind of a dying medium, I mm-hmm. feel like. And that's at Def First Blood because they don't let you have too long of a name. No, can't let that happen. So be the end of the world. Thanks a lot for the consistency, Twitter. Yeah, Jack, you son of a bitch. Anyways, thank you for listening again. Have a great week. Have a great next week. Heck, have a great life. And next week we will be talking about <laughs> early two thousand slasher movie, or it might be nineteen ninety nine. I'm not sure. I can't remember. It's the spirit that matters. Lover's Lane, starring Anna Faris. Ah, for our Valentine's Day. Yes, and then my bloody Valentine episode. the week after. I Sounds think. great to me. That is subject to change, but uh, I, as of right now, that's what we're doing. So bye. See you then. Bye. bye.